Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Before we start today's episode, I've got a recommendation for the vegan and the vegan curious out there. The Chick Peeps is hosted by Harry Potter actress, Ivana Lynch, and her fellow co-hosts who take an honest, accessible, and friendly approach to veganism. Guests have included Fern Cotton sharing her own vegan journey, Dr. Gemma Newman discussing the health benefits of plant-based eating, as well as climate justice and anti-racism activist Michaela Loach on the intersection between animal and human rights issues and the importance of fostering inclusivity and diversity in the vegan movement. The Chick Peeps is available on all major podcasting platforms. So go on, head on over and give it a listen. Hi folks, Amy Lane here, and I'm back with another Welfare episode to pep you up and get you ready to run. It's been said before that despite our creativity and quirks, when push comes to shove, we humans are creatures of habit. The truth is, that developing and maintaining healthy habits, especially the running habit, is no easy feat. But fret not, today you're going to learn valuable lessons to help you turn that perhaps every so often running routine into a habit that sticks. Helping you build that mindset for success is Dr. Heather McKee. She's a health behaviour change specialist, host of Bite Sized Habits podcast and founder of drheathermckee.co.uk. Heather uses research-driven methods to help people like you and I find freedom and joy in our healthy habits. Accompanying her is Peloton legend, personal trainer, accomplished ultra runner and all-round inspirational force for the cause, Bex Gentry. I really enjoyed the chat I had with this week's guest and it nearly had me putting on my running kit and doing a few laps of the block on a cold, wet Thursday night. So be warned, you might listen to this and run straight out the door. Right, I'm going to hand over to Bex and Heather for this week's show. Bex and Heather, welcome to Welfare. Hi. Hi, excited to be here. Brilliant. Bex, where are you coming from today? Because it is not the UK, I know that much, because there is daylight there and it is pitch black here. Oh no, it is. Yes, I live in New York and in Brooklyn right now. And yeah, it's nearly, well, it is lunchtime, let's be honest. And it's a beautiful blue sky day, but two feet of snow, so... Oh, wow. And how about yourself, Heather? Where are you coming from? I am in Dublin in Ireland. So looking out at the Dublin mountains at the moment. Yeah, the sun's just gone down, so it's quite stunning. Look at us making this podcast happen from (laughs) New York, Dublin and Winchester. It just shows what you can make happen when you put your mind to it. (laughs) Which is obviously the theme of today's show. Heather, would you mind kicking off for us with a bit of information about your background into how you've become a health behaviour and habit building coach? Because it is so interesting. So I have been obsessed with habits since the beginning of time you know when you get to the back of like 
Women's Health magazine and you can read what people do in a day or any of the magazines. Like I'm, I've been obsessed with that since I've been about four years old. And I uh, went to university and studied sports science actually originally. And it was when I was working in a met- metabolic syndrome clinic where they had amazing nutritionists, amazing PTs, but no one could really make their habits stick that I got really fascinated. And I I sat with everyone and, and talked to them all and actually helped it helped me really understand that people have so many barriers that get in the way of, of what they do. And, and that led to kind of 10 years in academia studying why some people are able to make their habits stick while so many others fail. And that leads on to where I am today. So today I kind of mainly create wellbeing programs for, for companies. And then I've got my own bite-sized habit course. And I work for Holly Health app as well, helping support people make those small changes turn into big results. Amazing. And Bex, I couldn't think of somebody who embodies good habits more than you. (laughs) Ever since I've known you, you're always in gym kit and you're always smiling about the fact that you're in gym kit and you get up and you run at 4am or you run at midnight, but you haven't always been a coach. So can you just share uh, with the Wildfire listeners how you've come to where you are today? Sure. Well, thank you. That's uh, (laughs) very kind of you to say. So I started out in advertising and PR straight from university. And it was during that time, I would say, like relating it to habits that my habits of life had become stagnant in my PR career. And I was searching for for new habits to change, to break the cycle, to change my mood or whatever it was, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020 at the time, you're just like searching in the dark for something. And it ended up being running. It was the thing that actually made me really, really happy. And that became my, my happiness habit was to go out and run no matter what, you know, I'd be on that 7am train from Hove into London to have meetings with journalists, to have breakfast meetings, but I would have gone for a run that morning. And I knew that if I broke that habit, I knew my mood would be different for the day. I'd be stuck in a rut. And from that habit change, I literally fell really crazily in love with this new thing called running and fitness and health. And it was serendipitously at the right time that I think health became bougie and like we were all talking about health you know it suddenly became very cool to be in running kit all the time all of the fitness brands suddenly became high fashion (laughs) and I quit PR I went to personal training to YMCA fit got my um, diploma there and fell on my feet with a great role and then the wonderful Jay uh, Stevenson Clark now Jay Goddard took me under her wing and put me into Nike. And then the rest is history. From there on, I just ran, 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 ran. And I suddenly run myself to New York. And here I am with Peloton running on the tread every day. And inspiring thousands of people around the world. I feel like you've missed something out there, though. What you've missed out is your amazing running accolades. Can you just share them? Because (laughs) I've had them on emails and they are quite something. Well, it's so funny when the, when you said like running accolades, I'm always like, well, I just run. I'm still like just that sweaty girl who runs. Last year was, not last year, 2020 was deleted. 2019 <laughs> was a crazy running year for me. And I achieved a lot of my PRs in that year. So namely, I ran the speed project for God knows how many of time. 
second, third, which is a 340 mile relay race from LA to Vegas. And I am part of the six person team that holds the current record for that. We did it in 31 hours, which took four hours off the record. Our average pace was, I think, 622 per mile over that, which is nonstop crazy. My marathon PR I achieved in New York, which was a dream come true. And I ran New York City Marathon 2019 in two hours, 37 minutes and one second. I don't have any grudges against the one second. Um, (laughs) And I was the first non-elite female to come over the finish line, which was a huge achievement. What else? I mean, I have like half marathon times and things like that. But honestly, I beat everything in that marathon. I like I crushed my previous half marathon time in that marathon. And it's yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I think it's fair to say that you've pretty much got your running habits sorted and you know what you need to do to push yourself to get there, which is amazing that you've got that. But there's so many people that are listening in who've said to me so many times, I want to hit a PB, but I always quit halfway through a plan or I just can't motivate myself to get there. And actually, when I was researching for today's show, I was looking at data from last year and there's quite a lot of running data which shows that there's been so many peaks in people tracking runs when we went into lockdown and then it's really tailed off afterwards. So that's what I wanted to chat to you guys about today. It's like, how do we get those people up to the point of where they can like hit the PRs like Ubex? Maybe we won't be doing like two hour marathons, but we'll do some, we'll do something relative. So Heather, I, I'm going to talk to you first of all about the psychology of creating healthy habits. So I've just mentioned that people have obviously picked up running and they seem to have dropped it a lot over the past year with lockdown. And people also seem to do that around New Year's resolutions they make massive New Year's resolutions, and then they fall off the wagon really quickly. Why is it that that happens? So one thing is, we put ourselves under far too much pressure. You know, New Year rolls around, and we're going to, you know, go for a run every day, we're going to give up sugar, we're going to drink less, we're going to be nice to our other half, we're going to save loads of money, we're going to be this epic person, meditate every day. And ultimately, the more you add in, the more you take away. And it's a concept in psychology known as goal dilution. And so, you know, we only have one willpower resource. And willpower, it's quite like a muscle. You know, if I if I went to the gym and trained my right bicep for the next seven days, by the time I get to a weekend, I wouldn't be able to pick up a cup of tea. <laughs> but if I go and, you know, train in adequate amounts, you know, giving it proper rest and recovery, it's going to get stronger over time. And it's the same with our willpower. But yet we come at it, try and throw everything and the kitchen sink at it at the start of the new year. And that's not effective. And actually for our goals to be sustainable or to create those habits that last, we need to actually focus less on relying on our willpower, less on relying on our fickle motivation, but actually more about setting up habits and routines that are going to support us and really, really focusing on those. And actually starting small is the best way to go about doing that. And actually, instead of giving ourselves a mountain to climb in the new year, give ourselves those small goals that help us actually gain momentum over time. And that's actually what builds that confidence muscle. That's what builds that willpower muscle. And in time, you know, you'll be able to better stick at your goals. Bex, you must have seen that at Peloton with people going, I'm going to join you in a class every single day throughout January. And then they maybe show up about three times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there are so many people who do that. 
what is the most important thing about habits, willpower, routine, I think, is outlining them, as you said, Heather, but also it's it's that importance of showing up for yourself. Like who are you putting those habits and those routines in front of you for? Because a lot of the time we do it for other people, especially now with social media influence. Like, why do I want to take that away from myself? And so your have your willpower for that is already negated. And I loved that analogy. I've written it down. <laughs> Overtraining the bicep and not being able to pick up a cup of tea. It's 10 times harder then to even start training that if you don't really want to do it for yourself. So I think for anyone who starts any habit, Figure out, like, write down why you're doing it for yourself. Like, why do we have to start in January? Why not take it easy? It's the most horrible month of the year, let's be honest, January and February, unless you live on the upside down of the world. It's pretty gross. That pressure that you put on yourself, just start it later. Gradually do it. Don't make this, like, huge promise that you're going to run every day. Run when you want to in January. Nobody needs to know. Just do it when you want to. And then, like, be like, okay, spring's here. I'm going to spring my training up. Like, cool. (laughs) What Beck says there is so important in terms of psychology. So you tap into what you're what you're talking about is extrinsic motivation. So that's motivation that comes from external people, from social media, from the should goals. We should stop shooting all over people. Mm-hmm. To, uh, <laughs> to those one two goals, which are intrinsic goals, you know, um, and intrinsic translate in in Latin to the word inward, which means goods for the soul. And those goals that are personally meaningful for you, those are the goals that actually, you know, you stick to long term. Those are the sticky, the juicy ones. So goals like, you know, you love running because of the way it makes you feel alive, the way it makes you feel like a competent, capable person, how you feel empowered, how you feel connected with nature. And I I loved at the start, Bex, you know, you you found it hard to think of those accolades because you're clearly so intrinsically motivated to run. And the extrinsic stuff, you know, was was harder for you to tune your brain into. What you wanted to talk about is how running makes you feel, how it makes you alive as a person, how it empowers you as a woman. And so, you know, when people can tap into that for any health habit that you're trying to create, you know, ask yourself, how do you want to feel How does this best represent who you wish to be in the world? You know, do you want to be a positive role model for your child, for your community, for your family, for yourself? You know, how does this actually contribute to those values? And that's what really helps you tap into that intrinsic motivation. So I love that question that you said, ask yourself, why is it important to you? And start with that why. And then the rest becomes so much easier after that. How do people tap into that? Because I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed by their lifestyles or their bodies and they suddenly go, I'm going to go start running because it's going to fix all my problems when actually you've been talking about those motivators. But how do people figure out what really motivates them when they're just feeling like everything is a bit overwhelming? Yeah, great question. And sometimes we don't know and we need to experiment. You know, we put ourselves under so much pressure when it comes to health habits to get it perfectly. But the thing is, like, habits are, you know, a lifestyle. It's not like you just brush our teeth in January and toothbrushing is done for the rest of the year. You know, it's it's something that we live into day in, day out. And so give yourself permission to actually take your time and figure out what works for you. One thing I talk about is, you know, how we break big audacious goals down into habits because so often we're chasing, you know, 
just that specific time on the race or that particular number on our paychecks or that weight on the scales. And actually, that's only a snapshot in time. And they've even shown that in Olympic athletes, when they achieve the gold, they often feel a period of depression afterwards because they've lost that sense of purpose. They're disconnected with their intrinsic motivation that Bex was talking about. You know, they just don't feel as in touch with those goals. And so we need to kind of step away from those outcome goals because they don't represent effort and they, you know, they don't best represent who we wish to be. And actually we're much better at tuning back into those intrinsic motivators. Like we said, you know, asking ourselves the whys, but also giving ourselves the space to find what works for us. You know, experiment. Each week is an experiment. You know, try a different running route. Try a hill route. Try listening to some music. Try going with a friend. Find the flavor that works for you because it's worth that time in the experimentation phase because that will help you stumble on, you know, something that brings you joy. And it's those habits that we enjoy. Are they the ones that we stick to? And so give yourself permission to experiment. I think it's very, very important. Heather, do you suggest that people write a diary to really tap into those feelings? Because I think sometimes we live from moment to moment, we forget what's happened before, because we're so caught up in moving forward all the time that actually, it's quite hard to really see a pattern in what makes us happy and then tap back into that. Oh, I think that's a great suggestion. And even something that I always suggest for people to do, even if, they, if they're a little bit stuck in, you know, finding their why and everything else is actually just to create a healthy habits joy list. So what are those healthy habits that bring you joy and why? Because, you know, we're so focused on the negative. We're so focused on, I haven't done this. We're so focused on shutting on ourselves. We're so focused on everything else that's going on in the world. And we actually miss the joys in life. It's, it's just very, very simple. But, you know, we always look at what we can lose by, you know, oh, well, I'll miss out an hour of work if I go for an hour run rather than what we gain, you know, that headspace, that connection with nature, that feeling of vitality, that feeling of focus when we come back. But even stuff as simple as how your hot water and lemon makes you feel refreshed in the morning, you know, how meditating helps you feel reset as a person. When you come back from your run and you sit at your computer, you just feel energized, like you can feel your blood flowing. You know, little things that bring you joy in a day, like, you know, holding your child's hand, listening to your other half laugh. We need to actually tune our brains into actually those tiny things, especially at a time like right now. You know, even for example, you know, before this podcast, I put on a really nice hand cream and I was like, I love how this smells. And I smelled the hand cream and it was a moment to savor. And it's a psychological technique they call savoring. So it's basking in the enjoyment of the moment. And one thing that's quite interesting from running studies, they've shown that if people savor that feeling post-run, so they savor how they feel accomplished or the clarity that they got or the energization, actually creates a craving and it primes them then to be more likely to engage in it in future. And so I would say, you know, start a diary, start a joy list, whatever it is, but think about those little things that actually bring that positive sense and that will help you connect a little bit more with your why. Amazing. And Bex, how do you apply that when people come to you and they say, I want to run a 10K, for instance, how do you help them break that down so that they can achieve it and they can create these habits along the way to get there? Because for me, or a lot of people that listening in, we go, I want to run a 10K, you go out, you try to do it, or you run the same route on repeat to try and get up to 10K, you don't really make it there you fall out of love with it and you never hit your goal. 
Yeah, happen, it happens to everyone. It's, it's going back to what Heather said. It's starting small. Never bite off more than you can chew is the old adage for that. But in the new way of thinking about it is you can't set yourself up with failure like right there in front of you. You have to fail in order to learn. That's the only way you're going to have experience and, and gain really good knowledge about yourself and where you're going. You have to go for that run, which is terrible, which is you complete a third of what you had planned. By doing that, by acknowledging the failure along those on those small chunks, you're letting the pressure off yourself. If you think that every single run is going to be the same as the last one or better, you are so fooled. And I want to drink from your Kool-Aid for a couple of days because that's just living with rose tinted glasses on. You have to be able to be humble enough to wake up every day. And if you have like a gratitude journal that you do in the morning, I know some people do it in the morning, they set intentions, some people do it in the evening, or whether it's just internally, you just say to yourself, okay, I'm awake, I'm grateful. How am I feeling today? If you have the humility to be like, I'm feeling a bit crap. I'm not going to put added pressure on myself today to crush that fastest run, to do the longest walk, to listen to five different audio lectures, because actually I want to watch Gossip Girl and eat some chips on the sofa. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you don't do that every day, but if that's something that's going to actually make you happier in that moment and set you up for much more success the next day, take it. And just let yourself reset. And that's, that's you know, you can stop that up to a failure. A failure day in training, but, you know, all being well, you wake up and tomorrow's a new day. So that's what I was going to ask. And actually, Heather, it would be great to get your thoughts on this. So how do you do that and then not feel like you've fallen off the bandwagon and beat yourself up? Because I think a lot of women, myself included, will make a choice like that and will go, screw it, I might as well eat everything in the house or I might as well not do anything all weekend because of that one choice? Mm. Yeah, well, actually, if you don't mind, I'll just go back to something that Beck said because it was so insightful, which was around, you know, failure. And one of the conclusions of our study was failure is success if you learn from it. And so the difference was that those successful maintainers, those successful habit maintainers, they actually looked at what they could learn from the failure. So was it the wrong time of day? Did they not eat enough? Were they in a bad mood? And actually by examining why they failed, they actually took the me out of it. They took the person out of it and they actually looked at it like a system. And that's why I like to say, you know, don't see it as a personal failure, see it as a system failure. And if you can change the system, then change can happen for you. And so it's more about your skill power than it is your willpower. The skills you develop in terms of examining failures, taking you out of it and actually looking at, well, what were the factors that contributed to this? You know, maybe I chose to run in the mornings, but actually I've got a newborn and that's the time when they're most awake and I want to spend time with them, you know, <laughs> or maybe you know, you choose to run an evening, but and you find yourself too hungry, you know, and it doesn't really work, you know, examine the system. Um, I think that's very, very important. And the second point on that is also, um, there's this concept in psychology known as implementation intentions. So what they are is their failure plans, basically people who plan for failure succeed. And so 
implementation intentions look like if X happens, then I'll do Y. So if I go to go for a run and it's raining, you know, welcome to the UK, right? It's going to rain. <laughs> so you better have a plan in place for when that happens. So what can you do? Can you go, you know, on your Peloton? Can you do one of their online classes? Can you ring up a friend when you see there's a weather gap later on and go with them then? Can you just put on a killer playlist, get your hood up, feel like Rocky and just go out and pound the pavement? Like there are other options. And the thing is, and I would ask everyone to do this, is to ask yourself, well, what are the three barriers that tend to get in the way most with my running habit? Because it always tends to be the same three things. And it tends to be, you know, when we did our studies of temptation, it tends to be at the same time of day and in response to the same thing time and time again. So track your temptations, track what's throwing you off at your running habit. Note that. And then ask yourself, well, what are my alternative choices in this situation? Because like I said, you know, if you live in the UK and you're trying to establish a running habit, it's going to rain. So what's the alternative for you in that situation? And then it goes back to that word that we talked about earlier, experiment. Experiment with alternatives. And the beauty about that is then the, you know, the default isn't, oh, well, I'm not going to go for a run. You actually open up your brain, you open up that neurological feedback loop to actually think about, oh, there are other alternatives in this situation. Oh, I remember last time I did an online Peloton class or last time I actually rang up a friend and and we went later on in the day or last time, oh my God, I felt like such a hero when I came back in covered in rain and rain dripping off my nose. You know, it actually opens your brain to new possibilities. So it's important to actually ask yourself if that barrier gets in the way, then what are alternative options? Experiment with those options and that will really help put you back on track. And then Amy, to go back to your question, there's a really good author, a journalist that talks about habit change. His name is James Clear. And he says, never miss twice. Because if you by missing twice, then missing becomes the habit. And so, yes, we'll eat a pizza. Yes, we'll have a rest day. You know, that's going to happen. That's life. And it's important that it does happen. It's important that we train ourselves to be okay with not actually carrying through with our goals. But as long as not carrying through doesn't become the habit. And so, you know, he says never miss twice, which I think is a beautiful um, way of putting it. And what I would add to that is never miss twice and then create those implementation intentions, those alternatives that you can use to help you in the future in that situation. Yeah. I love that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So much of what you've just said really speaks to me because I've realized that actually I was kind of setting myself up for failure at the well in the past couple of weeks because I decided to sign up for Couch to 5K and starting running again involved doing my strength work and my rehab work. And so I went from having quite a laissez-faire attitude to my fitness around my son to suddenly giving myself five sessions to get done in a week. They were all kind of a bit longer than how long he normally naps for. And I was like, this is really tough. I'm not getting them done. And it was, you know, and I actually did sit down and I did look at what I'd signed myself up for. And I was like, you know, 
sessions over 45 minutes when he only naps for 45 minutes just don't work. So what can I do? And so actually, I feel like I should get a gold star for that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It is tough, isn't it? And I think that maybe though, that one thing that could make it easier for us all, and I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this, is technology and how that can help us or potentially hinder us in forming habits because a lot of us wear watches we've got phones we're constantly reminded of how well we're doing in the day do you think that actually all of this data in life is helping us achieve our goals or do you think actually it's just a bit much and it's reminding us that you know we're sometimes tracking behind and that's holding us back I think that one massive bugbear I have about wearables, I love them for 99.9% of life and training because it's tracking, for me, mileage. That's the only thing. And time. Pace, I mean. But I've run very long races, like multi-day races, recorded it all on my watch. And after one hour of not moving, it tells you to get up and move. And you feel bad because you didn't check the box of that hour of moving for more than a few minutes. I'm like, I'll tell you what, when you've run for 31 hours over 340 miles and you literally crawl to the bathroom and you count that as moving, tell me to freaking move. But in your heart, you're like, oh, crap, I didn't get that that gold star for that hour. And I think that's really bad because when you have done something, be it the longest race you've ever done or your first week of training back I think having anything that's going to negate away from that in in that respect isn't the most ideal situation you know it's on both sides for people who are sedentary all the time they need that reminder to get up and walk around if you're stuck at your desk all day but perhaps in the you know there's a different way to look at it like well done you've achieved something really good today you know I'm not going to like take that away from you not reward you and make your your points for the day go down afterwards because no matter how you look at it you're still going to feel a little bit that you've let yourself down if you don't get that full not banging on apple here but this is the only thing I know how to describe it as but you don't complete your ring (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love that um that's like what you're talking about again is like intrinsic extrinsic motivation like as we as like the numbers and the metrics for some people actually can be quite triggering I did a study last year where we were looking at enjoyment of of running. And, you know, a lot of people found that being overly focused on the metrics took them away from the joy of being in the run. And equally, the same with any behaviors that you're trying to create. I always say, you know, be careful. You are what you eat. So be careful of what your media diet is. You know, are the people that you're following, do they lift you up? Do they raise your motivation or actually do they diminish it? And are they quite triggering for you? And equally, you know, when you look at your phone, your phone's like a micro environment, you know? So when you look at your phone, what are the alerts you're getting? What are the apps that are on your homepage? You know, what's coming to you first? Because that needs to be in line with your goals. If it's stuff that's going to start you off on a doom scroll or a comparisonitis binge or any of those kind of things, you know, get rid of that. You know, you want your your alerts to be things that actually are reinforcing your goals. So, you know, is it like your map my run of of this morning or is it your meditation alerts or is it your gratitude journal the first thing you see when you open your phone? You know, how can you set up your phone environment to actually support 
your healthy habits so that those things that you want to do and those things that are most important to you in life are the things that you see first because where the brain goes the attention follows and we need to be very very careful that our relationship with our phone and with media and with tracking devices is something that actually enhances our motivation and not deters from it. So the way that Peloton metrics show you achievements kind of changes with your workouts. So if you are on a like seven day streak, when you go onto your homepage, it will say like you're on a seven day streak and give you that G up. But if you miss a day, it doesn't like as soon as you log on, be like, Amy, I'm so disappointed in you. You missed a day. It will then be like you're on a one week streak, Uh, you know, and it's so good because like as a runner, I don't always run on the tread. So there are days where I'm not going to be using my tread, but I'm still running, but I'm outside. So if I got really bogged down by that fact, I'd be overtraining just to get those dots filled up on my calendar on a daily basis. But instead, I know that I have like a week streak I'm on now. And then it change, It can change to months. And it's just, it's, it's ever uplifting because but it never kind of makes you feel bad and it's and it switches without you knowing. And I kind of really only noticed that the other day on my tread. So I think, yeah, I just love that way of digesting achievements and like, it's, yeah, it's always the small things. <laughs> and Heather, how about the, obviously that's language on an app. How about the language of others around us? Because I know that a lot of people struggle when they take up a new health journey, a running journey with what people around them say. So that might be people in the house or people or their friends. It, does that language play a big part in whether people succeed at their goals? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, it's a really tricky part of human behavior change because you can't really change anyone else. You can only enable them and empower them and support them. And so one thing that I would say for people is you lead by example. So be the role model that you wish to see in the world. And I think that's very important. And at the same time, help others get on board by sharing your why, sharing why you're getting back to this. So, you know, Amy, it might be after your baby that you feel like, you know, you feel a bit lost that you don't have that time with yourself anymore or that that purpose that you had that was so strong with your running and so maybe that's your why and so it's important for you to get that headspace to be a better mom and, and communicating that with your partner you know you, they can't but support you in that you know and I think it's really important that we actually do communicate our whys to them but also we tell them how best to support us because the thing is, we always assume that other people will know how to support us. And that is when it becomes a bit of toxic relationship. So for example, if I know I need to empty the dishwasher and I walk into the kitchen and my husband says, you need to empty the dishwasher, you can be damned if I'm going to go and empty the dishwasher, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, if we, if we can tell people how to support us, how to empower us around those goals. So maybe it's about helping, you know, take the baby for, for an hour because that's going to be your best time of day or watching them for the extra 15 minutes after their nap because that's going to be the time that you're going to be able to go out for your run. Maybe it's, you know, a friend that texts you once a week and just checks in with you and see, sees how things are going. But, you know, does it in a way that, you know, what were your failures? What were I love what Beck said about like, let's celebrate the failures too. You know, let's say, okay, what have we learned? So a good question would be, you know, what have you learned that's new this week um, about that habit or what challenges have you overcome? But yeah, it's really important not only to be quite transparent on failure, but also to empower the others around us to actually support us in the way that we know is best for us. 
Otherwise, I'll nag us the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's a big difference, though, right? The nagging to knots. But I think that's a huge benefit we have at Peloton and a community that I've only briefly touched on before I came here was the running community, which in London was just in, really in its infancy when I left. It was, oh, it was like a teenager, let's say. It was, it was there, but it was just really growing. And then to come to New York, which already has such an established running community here, was incredible. And adding that to that, the Peloton community has just been so incredible to have myself, but also to see you know, going on like the Peloton Facebook pages and to see these people coming together and they show up together, they celebrate each other daily and they hold each other accountable. You know, if they say, I'm going to take Bex's 30 minute rock run at 7am this morning and I live in California, so it's 4am, who in my running group is going to be doing that too? And then they'll find one other crazy person on the West Coast who's getting up at that insane time to run, but maybe because they are working in hospitals or they're a first responder and they have that, that's their hours. Or maybe they're a new mom and they know they're up at that time and baby's gone back to sleep after a nap or something, or they're a poppy mom and they've got that time. But it's just to have those people there who aren't directly by your side as well, because sometimes you don't want it to be the person that you share the rest of your life with because it, then it can just creep into all sorts of weird situations. But just, yeah, just have that one person who's like, okay, I'm your friend. You don't owe me anything because you don't actually know me. It's all through a screen. But we're going to train together, and you're not going to let me down because I'm getting up at 4 a.m. <laughs> Do you both have stuff in your own toolkit that makes you follow through with your own goals and your and therefore create the habits that like Bex you've just mentioned these people in Peloton like commit to each other but what do you do to make sure that you commit to your own goals? I make sure that I have varying times throughout the year the calendar year where I have goals running goals and various times when I don't because I personally cannot consistently be clamoring towards a goal I like to have a time and that's because I do love to run and I do like to just be able to go out for a run without any expectation on that performance so I make sure that I have that time the start of COVID was great for that towards the end of summer I was like okay this has gone too long now I really need something to sort of realign and and redefine what my habits and routines are So that's like twofolded. I have in my toolkit, I have the ability to step back and just maintain my love for running and the acknowledgement that when the time comes to step up my level, that I've had that time off. My body should feel rested. My mind should feel rested. And I've committed to this temporary period where things are going to be a little bit more uncomfortable but I'm going to learn so much from it and I'm going to grow a hell of a lot. And I know on the other side, I'm going to get to put my feet up again and just go back to running with no watch. And just, you know, if I want to go for a run, I can. Whereas like right now it's six to seven days a week of pain cave. But I know I've had most of last year of just running for the joy of it. Not that I'm not running for the joy of it now. I do still love it, but it's just a little bit more difficult. (laughs) 
I think a lot of people are going to love to hear that because I think once you've started on some kind of running goal or or a plan, you often think that then once you finish that, you've got to start on something else. Or if you run a 5K, you've then got to run a 10K, then you've got to run a half. And actually to hear that it is totally fine to have a goal and then to not have a goal for a while and then pick back up with something else is quite refreshing. (laughs) Yeah, they're always going to be there. Those goals and those races you know, whether they're virtual or whether they're in person or whether they're just you putting in a different goal for yourself, they're going to be there. Like you are the conductor of your own orchestra. You're the author of your incredible epic adventure and you have to make it as big and as vivacious as you want it to be. But in order to have those highs and those incredible, like loud, crazy moments, there's beauty to be found in being calm and just taking a step back and breathing and then, and okay, cool. I'm ready for that crescendo again. Let's go. I love that. And Heather, how about you? What's in your toolkit to, to keep you moving forward, but, or also enjoying a moment of pause like Bex? Yeah, I love that. So two things. One, I do this talk on change your environment, change your habits. And so for me, like, you know, it's almost impossible to change when your environment is unsupportive of change. And so I think it's really important any changes you want to make, like I said earlier about your, you know, your phone environment, that everything's set up to support your habits. So, you know, I have a chair in my room that has like my gratitude journal and my other journal. And, you know, so the first thing I see when I get up is that. So I'm prompted, I'm cued. So, you know, habits work off this loop of a cue or a trigger, a behavior in result for a particular reward. And so you want to set up your environment so it's cueing you to engage. So, you know, if you want to go running, can you put your running kit out in the evening? And so that's the first thing you see in the morning. Can you put your running shoes out in front of your door? So you literally, I always say you want to make your habits so simple that you almost trip over them to actually engage with them. So you could literally be tripping over your running shoes. I know people that, you know, do crazy early workouts actually go to bed in their running gear (laughs) Um, so that they can overcome that barrier. And it's, it's all about this concept in behavioral science called friction. So if you can keep friction to engaging in helpful behaviors low, it makes it much more likely to engage with them. So an example of an unhelpful behavior is, you know, on Netflix, they preload the next episode. So it encourages binge watching because then you don't have to go out of the episode, select a new episode. The steps are taken away from you. So it makes it really easy to engage time and time again. And we want to use those techniques and actually apply them to our healthy habits. So how can you decrease friction? So instead of when you open the fridge and the first thing you see is that packet of Maltesers, could it be, you know, cherry tomatoes or chopped carrots? So that's the first thing that you see. You know, when you look at your living room, can you have your yoga mat rolled out? Can you have your foam rotor there if you're trying to do rehab? So I am recovering from a hip operation at the moment and I've got my terabands everywhere. I've got my foam roller around. I've got my massage gun, you know, in one corner. And, you know, different parts of the house that I go to, I'm prompted by that cue in my environment. If you want to create a reading habit, you know, stick those books out and, you know, have them open. The more barriers that we get rid of, the more we reduce that friction, the more likely we are to engage. And equally, 
the more we increase the friction to unhelpful behaviors. So, you know, those apps that we don't want to use, can we take them off our phone? So we have to log into our browser to actually open them. We have to remember a password. The more steps you can put in place to those unhelpful behaviors, you know, the harder then it is for us to engage. And so if you want to change your habits, change your environment, because it can be really, really supportive of change. A second one I would say is then a massive tool is self-compassion. Self-kindness, self-compassion. You know, I think Beck said it really nicely earlier. You know, we all think if we're going to be nice to ourselves that we're just going to sit in our PJs all day watching Netflix and, and eating Domino's. You know, that's what being nice to ourselves is. If, you know, if we don't critique ourselves, that's the kind of state we're going to get into. But that that's not true. And actually, all the research shows that people that have the most self-kindness, the most self-compassion, they actually go further. They're more likely to achieve their goals. They're less likely to procrastinate. They're more likely to actually have healthier behaviors. And that's because they give themselves the space, the patience, the time, the love that is necessary to actually create those lasting lifestyle changes. And so one big thing that I would say to people is like, when you're setting any goal, when you're setting any habit, always think about, well, how can self-kindness, self-compassion play a role here as well? How can I practice forgiveness of myself? How can I be kind to myself? You know, I'm not going to go on a a road run if I feel twingy, you know, if I feel like I'm going to be getting shin splints, even though I promised myself I'm going to go on that run. No, that's not the right thing for yourself, you know, right now. Let's pull back. Let's look at what alternative options there are. So I would say, look at your environment and then shed loads of self-compassion. It's very, very important. And that's a really good way of thinking ahead as well. Having that self-compassion in the here and now is sometimes thought of as a bit of a weakness when it comes to fitness. A lot of people tend to run through those niggles or those twinges because they they don't have the immediate appreciation of the self-compassion, of understanding that just by missing that one run, you may only miss the one run. But by going for the run and punishing yourself and not being compassionate in that moment, you may miss 10 runs. And then that's a whole chain of misery that your lack of self-compassion has spiraled you down to. So kind of use the idea of hindsight and foresight as much as you can. Yeah. And actually it goes back to that willpower myth, isn't it? It's to don't rely on your willpower, set up the systems. And exactly what you outlined there, Bex, is like the ideal system. Now, while you've got the energy, you know, there's a really good researcher, Kelly McGonigal, and she says, she always says, think of what your most exhausted self will do and work backwards from there and create a plan around your most stressed out, your most exhausted, your most depleted self create a plan around that person and that's going to help you. What an amazing way to finish the show. I've got one more question that I'd love you guys both to answer and give me your thoughts on. So what's the one thing that you'd like to see your clients do more of this year? So Bex, that's people showing up on the Peloton treadmills. What can they all do to help them enjoy it more, take more out of it? And Heather, how about you people that are coming to you that want to make change? What would you love to see them actually action? I would like to see Peloton members really focusing on their long-term progress rather than progressing temporarily on the leaderboard. I like that because I've been on the treadmill Mm. and I've been so obsessed 
even in my power walking sessions, I've clocked the leaderboard and I've been so obsessed with trying to like climb the rankings that I've been putting the speed up and I've gone from walking to running whilst in a walking class and had to actually uh-huh. rein my ego back in and be like, you're not here. You're not here to beat those people. You're here to lay some strong foundations for yourself. So I did close the leaderboard and I closed my heart rate and I just left all the tracking going on. I just couldn't see it and actually refocused and ha- had a strong word with myself. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so you really understand that one. <laughs> I totally, totally get it how you can get carried away. Heather, how about yourself? What would you like people to show up to your um, sessions with? Yeah, so well, one thing at Holly Health that we do with um, so it's a digital app that you know helps support people in creating healthy habits is we get people to show up just for one small goal a week. So very, very small. And we support them by setting realistic targets. So it's all focused on incremental changes over time. And so I would say to anyone, you know, who's starting out, start small. You know, if you're starting out running, don't try and go for an hour run, go for three minutes. If you're starting out meditation, don't try and go for 30 minutes. Meditate while you're boiling the kettle in the morning. If you're starting out creating gratitudes, just do one gratitude. Maybe when you're in the shower, ride it in the steam on, on the on the glass, whatever it happens to be. But, you know, I would say start small, start tiny and give yourself lots of lots of kindness and self-compassion along the way. I love that. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, especially from New York and Dublin. It's been amazing to get us all together and to hear your expertise and your passion for this subject. Heather, where is the best place for the Wellfire listeners to catch up with you and download the app and everything? So you can go to hollyhealth.io to find out more about it. It's actually free at the moment for the next three months. People can engage with that and download it there. And then to find out more about my work, I'm at drheathermckee.co.uk. Brilliant. And Bex, how can people join you and get a dose of your positivity? They can find me on Instagram at Bex Gentry, or they can head over to Peloton, whether you are in the US, Canada, the UK or Germany, and you can find us on the Peloton app, download it, take a session or two with us and yeah, go from there brilliant thanks so much you guys take care thank you amy thank you so much for listening to today's show i hope you found some of this advice helpful and remember if you do like the podcast then please rate review and subscribe it really helps other runners find us plus you can also keep up to date with other runners in our virtual crew by using the hashtag welfare on instagram and by joining the new Welfare Club on Strava. I look at all your posts and updates and it absolutely makes my day.